While banks have been leaders in mobile usage for retail customers, they've been laggards when it comes to wealth management and especially around digital advice. Is it true that banks have only a 5% penetration of wealth management services? And what are some of the digital tools that banks have been deploying to try and catch up? All these questions will be answered on this episode of Wealth Management Today. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and the technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A-G-R-O-U-P.co for more information. Welcome everyone to Planet Wealth Tech and another episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. My name is Craig Eskowitz and I'm a technology strategy consultant. And on this podcast, I bring you new ideas from the people who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. And during our conversations, I extract the concepts and constructs that you can use to push the envelope and stay one step ahead of the pack. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Simon Roy, CEO of GemStep. Simon and I have known each other quite a while. I've been following GemStep's progress very closely as they moved from just a small provider of digital advice technology to becoming one of the leaders in the space, and then through their acquisition by Invesco, smart move, and their continued success in banking, which has become an increasingly crowded uh, space with technology vendors seemingly coming out of the woodwork. So the fact that they can continue to be successful is impressive. Simon shared some great insights into how banks are implementing digital advice and how they're building their client experiences. I'm excited to share this with you, and I don't want to hold it up any longer, so let's get started. And welcome to this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. And today I am pleased to be able to speak with Simon Roy, the president and CEO of GemStep. Hey, Simon. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Uh, it was great seeing you. We just saw each other last week at the Insight Conference in blazingly hot Phoenix. I'm glad you made it back. All right. And now we are here on my podcast, and we're going to be talking about digital advice in banking. And I'm really interested in this topic. I've done a lot of writing uh, and consulting in, in, with robo-advisors, digital advice. And I think what uh, a lot of the industry doesn't realize is that there's a big difference in doing digital advice for RIAs or broker-dealers as compared to banking. Can you talk about some of the use cases you're seeing in digital advice within the banking industry and how they differ from what you might see at an RIA or a broker-dealer? Absolutely, Craig. I think the, the primary use case we're seeing with banks is the opportunity to make wealth management accessible to a broad broad swath of their existing core banking client base. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're dealing with a uh, top 20 bank, they may have millions of credit card or um, savings, checking, mortgage clients, and they have typically uh, around a 5% penetration 
uh, of wealth management services uh, utilized by those clients. And so as opposed to an RIA or a, or a typical IBD, uh, they are initially not focused on new client acquisition, what they would call new to bank. They're very much focused on how do we increase access to wealth management to our existing client base. And so that primary use case is quite different. Um, and that, you know, when you look at the service uh, that we've developed and the way we engage with banks, it, it is very much tuned to helping ensure that clients have easy access to the service as well as feel, you know, well known and and um, by the you know by the service uh, as they go from the primary banking uh, portal all the way through the wealth management flow, which which converts them uh, and provides them a you know an AUM based uh, asset management relationship. What about so you mentioned five percent penetration of wealth management services? That seems very very low. So I would guess that it's a huge opportunity for a digital wealth channel to help banks increase that? Absolutely. I think, the, you know, the primary focus of, of the broker dealers uh, within uh, the typical bank is on the, you know, the traditional higher net worth client, $250,000 in investable assets and, and up. And many of the banks have, you know, private banking as well, which, which uh, goes up to the ultra high net worth. Um, but, Given the cost to serve the typical client, uh, there's you know there is not really a, currently an ability to um, provide wealth management to typically the millions of clients who have assets below the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar level, and the only way to do this effectively is to offer a digital um, solution that is embedded within the bank's. Uh, wealth management processes within their infrastructure, within their systems, uh, and third-party providers. And so the, the digital capabilities allows the bank to now offer these wealth management services to a broader swath of clients than they previously could. And so the proposition for them is very much, you know, one, access and deepen relationship with a client base that previously could not be offered wealth management services cost-effectively. Secondly, provide those clients with a great client experience. And thirdly, doing it, do it in a way which uh, helps them reduce the cost to serve these clients as well as others, you know, within a compliant uh, and compliance-oriented environment. So you mentioned uh, compliance-oriented. So it jumps back to, it jumps to another question I was going to ask. The difference in compliance, the lift required for a vendor uh, at a bank versus a broker dealer or an RIA in compliance, how much different is that? Have you, have you guys? Uh, the, the the phrase uh, sort of night and day springs to mind. Obviously, it is not truly night and day, but the the level of attention on compliance, the level of attention on infosec privacy, is orders of magnitude greater. And I think the one of the prime drivers is for the banks. Um, they have very strong brands. They have strong reputation, which they want to deeply protect. They similarly have a regulatory environment, which is significantly more onerous and rigorous than the typical RIA. So the, the larger banks that, that we're dealing with are regulated by the OCC, as well as other regulatory bodies, and and the requirements for them to one select vendors slash partners who 
can meet their InfoSec requirements uh, are very tight. Secondly, the requirements to marry you know, the capabilities with the existing bank compliance uh, requirements are also similarly rigorous. And it, it, it stretches to uh, AML and KYC processes, which, uh, you know, which the banks have built up over many years, you know, with significant oversight uh, from OCC and, you know, other regulatory bodies. So the, the level of scrutiny, the level of compliance attention is uh, significantly greater than certainly than the two, three, four person RIA shop, but even uh, many of the IBDs that, you know, that we have dealt with. When it comes to the AML and KYC processes, how does that change the, the flow of the digital opening, the digital account opening process? That's been one of the strengths of the of digital advice, in my opinion, the, the electronic account opening, no paperwork, e-signature. Does, does AML, KYC put a, a crimp in that, or can it still be done in, in a nice, smooth workflow? Uh, AML KYC is is one of the challenges um, in working with you know with banks in in in, in looking to protect the client experience, uh, and I think the banks have different postures in terms of how they will uh, address AML KYC. Um, some of them are looking to embed that in the flow, uh, which is often quite onerous on the client. Uh, and and can be problematic in helping the client get through the flow in the timeframe uh, that they're looking for. The actual requirement for AML KYC does it typically does not require confirmation uh, real time, and so I, I think there are you know there are a number of weeks uh, that are available for an institution to determine uh, whether one is whether an individual is on the watch list or whether they um, perhaps uh, raise red flags for other reasons. And so we've had discussions with uh, institutions about um, do we want to embed it directly into into the flow and and put the client through what can be a very onerous process, or can we put that as a um, an ex post uh, process where the client uh, is perhaps contacted or or uh, goes through the process after they've gone through their goal based you know digital onboarding experience. That is a uh, a choice that banks have, um, and and ultimately, uh, we you know we work really hard to support their their compliance posture, but they they have to make the decision as to how and what they want to embed as part of the digital flow. And how well do you see the digital advice integrating with core banking and mobile? Is that some are those Will those be two separate areas, or are they going to be? Are they going to merge and, and be uh, one and same? Digital advice um, with banks have gone. Well, digital advice in general has gone through a number of phases. You know, obviously, the the direct to consumers, the the barbarians at the gate, essentially went out and said, digital only is is the path to uh, providing wealth management to you know to the mass affluent broad swath of of the market. Uh, and they quickly discovered that uh, two things. One, the cost of acquisition, very expensive, establishing a brand. Secondly, they discovered that in most cases and for most segments, clients want to know that they have access to an advisor, they have access to advice when needed. Um, and that pivoted to what what I would call uh, a model, which is a B2B2C model, which is uh, slap, you know, slap, 
your logo on my robo, I'll take care of your clients. That was uh, appealing for a few firms who wanted to get out quickly, but not a sustainable model that truly added value to the banking institutions. And what Gemstep is essentially focused on is a model where we provide a technology service to the banks to help bring their value proposition to life, uh, to ensure that they control um, their clients, their client experience, data, models, and other elements such that we're helping them add value through a uh, digital platform in, in, in making wealth management accessible to a broad swath of their client base. With that as a goal, uh, we can't build an effective platform that doesn't integrate with a core banking portal that doesn't integrate with the mobile apps that the banks have and have great success in penetration. And so the GEMSIP solution with, with our primary bank clients will have single sign-on straight through to the banking portal. So a client logging in to see their checking account or credit card can access their wealth management accounts there, but um, more importantly, can view and, and uh, click on advertisements for within the portal to go through a goal-based flow so that they can uh, uh, access the bank's wealth management service. So access to the bank portal. Secondly, we want to make sure that the client, when they go through, when they go through the flow, it doesn't feel like they're being handed off to a different institution. It needs to feel as if it is a straight handoff from the, you know, from the portal to the wealth management service. And so the branding look and feel, et cetera, is, is very similar um, and aligned with the, the branding of the, of the bank. Secondly, we, we implement a mechanism where we will take the data from the bank and make sure that that data is pre-filled through the GEMSTEP flow. So the client coming through goes, oh, they have my address, they know my name, they know my age, I just need to verify and then add information about my retirement goal or my risk tolerance. And so it's low friction to go from the portal to the wealth management flow and a feeling, uh, you know, sort of a natural view of, of the, the, the service in terms of branding. But probably more importantly, they feel as if they are known and the bank is building on the relationship as opposed to handing them off to, you know, essentially a new relationship. And so that that really eases um, the transition, increases conversion, uh, and helps not just in the profiling, but also in the onboarding, because the onboarding is made all the simpler with information, you know, including address, including spouse, including, you know, partner, including social security and other information, you know, that essentially makes it a quick and seamless experience to sign up for wealth management. So that's the bank portal side. The mobile app side, we, we, we take a very similar approach, which is uh, we offer choice to the, the bank institution uh, as to how they want to implement mobile. And there are a few critical pieces. First is if they, if they want to create a native um, GEMSTEP integration to their mobile app, we offer APIs, which they can use to build a, a client experience which is, um, you know, essentially the same as the client experience for the other bank apps. And so through API, they access the full GEMSTEP infrastructure. 
and they can do it in a way that the client experience and the flow on the on the mobile is consistent with the web flow. And so a client can go from a mobile initiation to the web and back or a web initiation of a relationship to a, mo a mobile experience where they can perhaps confirm that their account is open or that a rebalance has occurred. Uh, and so that that's part of our strategy of making sure that the Gemstep solution is embedded with within the bank's um, existing processes and infrastructure as opposed to a bolt-on on the side of the business. I think that ability to switch back and forth is critical, that it doesn't matter where the client, what context the client starts a process yep. in, they can switch. So you, you, is, it, is that what you're saying, that I can start an account opening process, for example, on the portal, then go to the mobile, then go back? Or is that only for checking the balance? Uh, it depends on what the so in principle, yes, you can go from one to the other, uh, but it depends on what the bank implements in the mobile app. And what, what we're seeing is um, mobile adoption of, of bank uh, um, apps is extremely high, maybe maybe the highest uh, across any of the industries. And so they are, you know, they are very keen to have a consistent experience across across the the apps. What we're seeing them implement initially is more of the the read capabilities, so mobile as a way to review, check status, uh, and then over time they'll be building out more of the primary, excuse me, elements such as account opening, um, you know, the the read and write uh, capabilities. But the, you know, at the end of the day, the banks and Gemstep, you know, wants to wants to support the banks in meeting the clients where they want to be whether it's mobile, whether it's web, um, tablets, in the branch, uh, or elsewhere. And so having a consistent uh, set of flows that you can move back and forth from is, is critical. Uh, and that implies having a, you know, a data model and business logic that can be accessed uh, on these various, um, you know, various form factors. That's another good question, the data model. So how yep. does that... Uh, changed. How does the data model change when you're when you're implementing a digital advice solution at a bank versus an advisory firm? I don't know that the data model per se changes. I think the you know going back to your question about compliance and the requirements, the, there are a set of requirements that the banks will have relating to infosec, which are perhaps you know once again more rigorous and and demanding than. Um, other institutions, um, you know, have have asked for, and those include um, how long you can keep data for a prospect. You know, if they don't sign up, what is the time frame beyond which you you have to essentially destroy? What is your destroy that data? Delete. What is the verification process to show that you've done that? Uh, similarly, client records. If a client um, uh, closes an account, there are encryption standards you know, encryption and transit and, and the, the, the level of rigor in terms of the infosec review and those requirements are really probably the, the biggest difference. But the you know, sort of use case by use case, uh, the data model is, is, is very similar. The, there are elements that, that do change. For example, um, we will work with uh, the institutions um, to support, as I mentioned, data prefill. And the data prefill uh, um, 
you know, once again goes down a few levels. It's not here are seven data elements that come across in a SAML assertion when there's single sign-on. It is here are the data elements uh, that you can display. Here are the data elements that you need to um, obfuscate, you know, essentially hide unless the client clicks on it, perhaps social um, or uh, account numbers. Uh, and and it goes down to here are data elements that are display only that the client can just view in your app, but can't change. And so there there are multiple layers and cap um, you know that are, of requirements that the banks have, and then capabilities we you know we currently support in line with their data privacy, in line with their compliance posture. And data privacy is becoming a, a huge issue now, especially with all the social media platforms having problems and uh, larger firms getting uh, getting compromised and, and data being exposed. So how does how do you guys deal with that? Is, it, is that is that a big lift for you in terms of integrating with the, the bank's uh, data privacy rules? Yeah, I, the, the you know there's a there's a rigorous um, process that we go through in initiating a project with a bank, and and part of that is is obviously contracting, you know, sales process and contracting. Uh, part of that is an infosec review where um, we respond to, you know, a, a typically very, very robust uh, set of requirements. And we're, we are fortunate that we have invested heavily uh, in our InfoSec capabilities uh, and continue to invest embedded within that as, you know, privacy um, and other capabilities. So I think right from the get-go when, when we engage with, with the bank, uh, we, you know, we, we will communicate uh, what we have built, uh, what are the configurations and capabilities, and then go through, you know, go through the process um, in the actual implementation phase of configuring to support, um, you know, the posture that the bank, the bank has, and, and they do have different postures. Um, I, you know, I think of it as uh, the client experience is, you know, think of it as an iceberg. Uh, one eighth is above the water. That's the part that the client and advisors may see. That you know the the pretty screens, the, the you know the, the quality flows. You know that 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 simplicity um, and and you know quality experience that helps uh, drive that client through to to end up getting feedback on their goals. So that's the one eighth. The seven eighths is all of the ongoing investment that is being made in. Uh, infrastructure in you know um, infosec and in privacy in um, redundancy. I mean, all, all of these elements to ensure that you have a bank-grade platform uh, that can um, serve the, the the bank's needs and give them the confidence uh, that they're dealing with an enterprise firm um, that can you know that essentially can support them and their clients and advisors. Uh, in the way that that they need to be supported, uh, and so privacy is part of that. Uh, and we, you know, we are fortunate to have the backing of Investco. Um, you know, now a trillion to uh, asset manager, uh, and and so with that we have capital. We also have expertise uh, within within the firm uh, that reinforces our ability to maintain 
quality, infosec, you know, privacy, you know, reliability posture for our clients. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk to you about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. Invest in Others is a nonprofit. You can find them at investinothers.org. And they look to raise money and give out awards to charities that are sponsored by financial advisors. So it's financial advisors, uh, favorite charities, charities that they spend a lot of time supporting. So Invest in Others looks to get sponsorships from the industry and funnel that money to advisors' favorite charities. I really like this this charity uh, and this nonprofit. I think you should take a look at it. Again, investinothers.org. They've got a couple other programs. One is a grants for good program. Uh, again, delivering money to different needy organizations and needy groups. They're also starting a corporate awards program, which is going to be a little bit different, but still within the industry. Uh, another way for financial services, uh, wealth management corporations to help uh, donate money to people in need. So I really like Invest in Others. I think you should take a look at it. Invest in Others. Let me spell this for you. I-N-V-E-S-T-I-N-O-T-H-E-R-S dot O-R-G. So regarding the the acquisition of Jamstep by Invesco, that kind of put you guys on the map and, and moved you from a startup uh, digital advice player to basically the, a part of a global asset management uh, infrastructure. So how did that change the way you're, you're working and change your ability to, to sell into the banking industry? Yeah, we were acquired and sold to Invesco about three and a quarter years ago, three and a half years ago. And the reason we responded to, you know, engagements from Invesco and a number of other institutions is that we were already, you know, deep down the path with some very large IBDs uh, and other institutions. And they started asking the question, Jamstep, we love the platform, the capabilities, people. How do we know you're going to be there tomorrow? And that was a question we either had to answer with ongoing fundraising or we needed to engage and partner with a significant institution. And so that kicked off the process. And, uh, you know, long story short, we were engaged with a number of firms. And very quickly, it became clear that Invesco was the right partner for us. Three reasons. Firstly, they looked at this strategically. They weren't looking at a quick hit or a product push, they were looking at adding digital advice and digital capabilities to their toolkits of services that they would provide um, to their advisors and their advisory firms and uh, their advisory firms' advisors. Secondly, the people and the culture uh, was very compatible with Gemstep and very much that collaborative partnership approach, uh, which has continued on and is resonating deeply in the banking sector. And the final reason is, you know, on a, on a personal and a team reason, uh, for the Jamstep team, we looked at it not as an exit, but as a next chapter. Uh, and we, we felt that within Metsco, we could dig in and continue, uh, you know, Monday morning, Monday morning, six months now, over three years later, um, you know, help build the business and serve our clients. So that, that has played out, um, you know, very much to our, expectations. And, and as you know, that is often not the case with acquisitions. So given that uh, the strategic focus, rather strategic approach that Invesco took 
Gemsep is managed as a separate subsidiary. We're based in Silicon Valley. We control the primary business functions, uh, and that enables us to focus on building a world-class digital advice platform and serve our clients in the way that they need to be served. Second thing is Invesco and Gemstep have publicly committed to maintaining an open investment platform, meaning it is the bank that decides, or the credit union that decides the investment strategies, the models, uh, and the funds that they want to implement on the digital platform. Uh, and so that has served us and our, and our bank clients you know, very well and, and resonates. The backing that Invesco has provided us gives the banking institutions, you know, whether they're top five, top 20, top 40 banks, the confidence that we will be able to continue investing in that great client experience, in all the integrations we've been talking about, but also that seven-eighths of the iceberg under the water that we spoke about previously, the compliance, infosec, reliability, et cetera. That puts to rest that, that question uh, about will you be there tomorrow? Can you continue investing? The piece that has played out and has been quite interesting um, and really, I think, is the broad thesis behind the combination of, of Invesco and Gemstep is when you look at wealth management, the digital platforms provide a portion of the required solution, but there are a, num a number of other services that in combination can create an even more compelling client experience and outcomes as well as um, help with the adoption of the platform by clients, as well as uh, within the institution. And I'll mention two or three of those. The first and obvious one is in helping develop portfolios and solutions, investment solutions, that fit the mass affluent target market that the banks are looking to expand wealth management services to. And so thinking about how do you create portfolios that are understandable by clients, that are um, easily tradable, that have low transaction costs, cash drag, and other elements, that is an important consideration. Uh, when you're trading a $250,000 $250, account, considerations and portfolio, portfolios you can incorporate are different to a $5,000 or $10,000 account. And so working with Invesco Solutions, we've developed um, portfolios that we can offer up as an option to the banks that can really help with the client experience, arm advisors to articulate the value proposition of, with marketing materials, as well as ensure uh, efficiency um, in, the, in, you know, in the trading and rebalancing of those portfolios. So that's one core element of the value add that we offer as optional services, the solutions. Um, the second one is, in many ways, Gemstep is, is in the change management business. We, we offer a technology service, but the, the focus, what the, what the businesses are trying to achieve is to transform the way that they serve their clients, you know, increase access to wealth, and do so in a changing regulatory and, and competitive environment. And so one of the things that, that the institutions um, you know, spent, a, spent a lot of time working with us on is how do we effectively communicate the value of digital in combination with advisors, uh, whether they be in branches or whether they be in call centers. And so Invesco Consulting is a, 
is a group that's very much focused on arming advisors, arming uh, call center reps with language that can help them articulate uh, the benefits of, of the service uh, and, quite frankly, help them understand the value of, of digital uh, as a you know, supplementary channel you know, to them individually. So the, the consulting service really helps with, uh, with the adoption uh, and the training around uh, um, how do you roll out the, uh, you know, these digital platforms. Um, so those are just two examples of how working with Invesco, uh, we strengthen the value proposition and can wrap value-added services uh, within the GEMSTEP uh, proposition. Let's shift the conversation a bit to some of the key capabilities that banks should consider so they can they, they can be more effective in their operations and how digital can help them. So is there, I know you guys talked a lot about the omni-channel service model. So how, how do you guys implement that and how does that help banks uh, more efficient in their operations? If you think of uh, the core banking platforms, the, you know, the checking, saving, CDs, credit cards, virtually all the banks have a segmented offer down there. You're, you know, one mentioned specific institutions, but you're segment one, two, three. And depending on the segment, you're going to get different levels of services, potentially um, access to different products, fees, et cetera. What the banks are looking to do is ideally provide a, an equivalent uh, segmentation uh, from the core banking to the wealth. So if, you, if you're in segment one, you're going to be offered um, initially services that, that are consistent with that segment. And so the, the initial focus is in, in most of the institutions is on the mass affluent, um, which might be the, the middle segment. And so what, what GEMSEP has, has focused on implementing is initially two layers of service. The first is a self-service primarily digital experience, um, which you, is, you know, the, as we described, um, easy access from bank portal, mobile, web, and then transition through goal-based flow, uh, goal feedback, you know, planning feedback, uh, um, access to portfolios, and then digital onboarding, self-service, money movement, you know, all of, uh, statements, et cetera. Uh, all within a clean branded bank flow, um, uh, tightly integrated within the, the banking portal. So that's the first level. The second level um, that we're increasingly seeing is a call center model, which is essentially a bionic service model where individuals will go through, depending on the segment, go through the flow, and depending on perhaps asset level or segment information, um, they might have access to a call center. Um, uh, you know, guides are going to support them as they go through the flow uh, that can help them both with um, how do I do something on the platform or through the platform, as well as uh, helping think through, you know, what it is that's being provided from an investment perspective. So those are the two primary um, primary. Uh, segment uh, offers that, that we're seeing implemented. And the, the way those are accesses, you know, can be pretty sophisticated. I'll, I'll mention a capability that, that a number of institutions are, uh, you know, are utilizing. As mentioned, the banks often have these clients uh, segmented through the core banking um, relationship. And so as the client logs in, 
to the banking portal, the bank will pass through to GemStep information as to which segment they belong to, and that can then ensure that that client uh, has the, the experience associated with that segment. And so we're, you know, we're early days at, at creating tight integration uh, and, and linkage with um, the core banking segments, but it very much points to you know, bank strategy of not treating wealth as a separate product, but looking to really ensure that there is a consistent experience, uh, whether you're, you're accessing core banking you know, or wealth, uh, and obviously technology enables them uh, to deliver against that. Along the same lines we were discussing, you had mentioned before um, how the workflow is smooth and how you're you're aligning with the bank's branding. When yep. you, you you see trends towards this consistent digital platform for mass affluent all the way through affluent segments, is that something that that banks are doing, or are they segmenting and giving different experiences for different wealth levels? Um, they're giving. They're looking to give different experiences for different wealth levels. Uh, and you know, one way you think about it is, um, it doesn't matter whether you're sitting with five thousand dollars or hundred million dollars. All of us have been trained and and now expect uh, access to our services uh, digitally. So whether I'm ultra high net worth or or, or, or low net worth. I still want to be able to access things uh, through my mobile, through my iPad, or or um, whichever device I'm you know I'm uh, I'm using. I want to do money transfer. I want to see my balance. I don't want to have to call. So all of them are looking to ensure that there is a quality digital experience, respective of the segment. So that's one. Secondly, there are some of the workflow areas where you want to be able to have that same experience and leverage the technology and the business logic. Um, once again, whether you're opening an IRA with a low balance or a high balance or high net worth client. And the, the obvious one is account opening. And the, you know there are, there are other capabilities you want to be able to support, like money movement or accessing statements. And so we're secondly seeing banks essentially say, we want a consistent digital platform that provides core services up and down from mass, mass affluent, high net worth, ideally ultra high net worth. And so we, we're seeing a number of institutions having seen the benefit of, for example, what GemStep provides um, uh, you know, for their mass affluent and, and some of the high net worth, essentially say, okay, what will it take to us to, for us to provide that all the way up? On top of that are segmented services or, or differentiation in terms of the service. So you have the core services. You might at a high net worth uh, level want to offer different models, uh, access to different investments. Uh, onboarding may be very similar, but the investment choices may differ. Similarly, you may offer a quarterly review with a named advisor at high net worth, where you may have a call center access in the, the mid-tier or perhaps just online access uh, for the low net worth clients. And so we think of it as a common digital platform uh, with consistency, which drives operational efficiency, which, which I should talk about, but then a level of differentiation that is consistent with the value prop for the segments, 
and their ability, you know, to deliver services uh, at scale to, you know, to each of those segments. So what, what this ends up doing is they end up being able to differentiate the service, but really get the benefit of quality onboarding, uh, which to your earlier question, drives efficiencies, reduces NIGOs, not in good orders, um, and ensures that both clients in a self-service model uh, uh, with a call center in a branch or with an advisor can have that great uh, onboarding experience, um, you know, enabling e-sign, uh, data pre-fill, et cetera. Once this has been implemented, um, we, you know, we, for example, will send all of the information into uh, CRM, such as Salesforce, which many of our bank clients are using. Uh, so they have that as a, you know, as a uh, dashboard and as a resource. Uh, and similarly, on the custodian, uh, through straight through processing or through um, approval-based onboarding digitally to their custodian. You know, that perhaps pro provides a little flavor on, on the segmentation and some of the benefits from the client as well as um, from an operational efficiency perspective. It does. Thank you. The, you mentioned call centers and what they would call hybrid advice. So Merrill Lynch just announced uh, recently that they're doing what they call a mix and match strategy. We're moving uh, clients through different, either as they, go, as they gain assets, moving them from pure robo to sort of a hybrid, mm -hmm. traditional full service. Are you seeing that with your bank clients that are doing similar types of strategies? Uh, absolutely. Uh, w once you have segmented offers, uh, you have to be able to support the transition from one segment to another. I mean, you know, one of the big targets are the, you know, the, the Henrys, high earners, uh, not rich yet. And so if you're starting off with a relationship with them as they get their big bonus, as they build up wealth, you want to be able to offer them access to the, the next tier of service. And, and that is very much why GemStep has designed our system to integrate within the bank processes and systems and custodians and CRM, as opposed to be a separate bolt-on. Once you're integrated within that, uh, you're able to um, essentially more easily transition clients uh, from one tier to the next tier. And so that that is very much uh, the goal of of each of these institutions. Um, the, you know, as always, when you're dealing with uh, large institutions, there is complexity in in building out the specifics and ensuring that it's seamless. Uh, and I, I would say it is a journey, but one that we have architected our service, um, you know, and platform to support. That is great. I, I, we covered a lot. Thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, you making the time for me and, and for this conversation and, and sharing so much of what you guys have learned with digital advice and banking. Uh, thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. And uh, look forward to uh, the ongoing conversation. Hey, everyone. It's Craig again. Just a few quick items before we go. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate it. And remember to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about on this episode. For more information on wealth management technology, you can read my Wealth Management Today blog at wmtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week.